I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning and welcome to this bright and cheery episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. Literally, so much to discuss. We have, whew, damn, we have all the news that is fit to discuss. And to discuss all of it, we have the managing editor of Toasted Cheese, Stephanie Lenz. Good morning, Stephanie. How are you? I'm in a good mood. You? I'm in a fucking great mood. This is an outstanding day. Ha! Okay. First thing we need to discuss is the contention for attention. You have, in one corner, Marty Taylor Green. In the other corner, you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Apparently, Rep. Green has decide, like, decided to, for lack of a term, run up on and confront Rep. AOC, Rep. Cortez. Now, as a critic of both, I have no care we talk about the gray rock. It's just pretty much you're indifferent to both. I don't like either one of them, but it's not like I'm going to spend my life, you know, uh, simmering hatred for either one of them. They're annoying as fuck. But Rep. Cortez is saying that she felt like there was a safety issue with Rep. Green. And Rep. Green knows that she's raising money off of these photo opportunities. How do you feel about this? And what do you stand on this? Cold button issue. <laughs> Cold button issue. Um, well, you know, uh, AOC is not the first congressperson to have to bring up to the, the higher authority that green is a problem. Cori Bush had to get her offices moved because this woman kept bothering her. And then there's the rep across the hall that put up her Trans Lives Matter flag or Trans Pride flag, and green kind of came back at her. So if multiple people are having problems with the same single person, my money is on that the problem is that single person. And like you said, she's raising money off of it, and that's really all she cares about is she's raising money, and it's lining her pockets, and so she's going to keep doing it. Um, They stripped her committee um, appointments, and she's still there, and she's still allowed to come up and run up on AOC, over nothing. It's just because that person is someone that gets her donors all in an uproar. So she's picked her to go after. Um, if I were AOC, honestly, I'd look into a restraining order because she's obviously unhinged, whether she's putting it on or whether she really does believe in this QAnon crap that she spews. Um, 
but Marjorie Taylor Greene, she does the exact same thing that she did to um, David Hogg. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we saw them on video, and she's the one who videotaped it. A kid. So, it, yeah, that's, that's who she is. That's what she's about. She showed us. Believe her. For me, it is... I'm of the vein and grew up in the area. If somebody runs up on you like that, you know, they are... It's a threat. They're threatening mm-hmm. you. They're threatening your safety. And I'm not saying that we would condone that, although I might applaud it, if AOC, AOC just smacked her, just right in front of the camera, just paintbrushed her once, just slapped <laughs> the taste out of her mouth. Because yeah. it would require the faux toughness of green to surface. It's like mm-hmm. you're sitting here and you are literally running your mouth and you are talking nonsense about somebody who you can just easily go talk to who works in the same building and they won't. It's it's posturing. That's why I can never be a, a politician because I'll probably would be censured mm-hmm. and kicked out of office because yeah. I would... Oh, run. Run as a Republican. They don't censure anybody anymore, apparently. <laughs> I can't. My ethics, no, but it's just, for me, I would just sit there and I would just, if somebody has something to say, I'm like, you got something to say? Like, there's, there's no mm-hmm. cameras and it would be contentious and it would be argumentative because, honestly, like, if I'm going to use one, I'm going to use Matt Gates or Josh Hawley. If I'm a member of Congress or the Senate and they pull this confronting thing in front of me. You know, video game hands. They're ready to eat for everyone can get them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's funny to me. Now, something that we, you know, as yeah, we... Yeah, because she's not serious, so... Oh, no, oh my God, it. no. She couldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. <laughs> and it's startling to watch but one of the things I want to talk about and the Israel-Palestine conflict now as an outsider how I grew up and we talked about this but how I grew up was the length of debt or the reach that the Israel back then it was Arab conflict had where I remember being six years old and watching the funeral for Anwar Sadat. Mm-hmm. And because I, I remember it was my mom's birthday, October 6th. And I remember that because there were people criticizing him. I mean, yes, he was a dictator, and I understand that. But Palestine, before they were called Arab, they, they were painted as the villain no matter what throughout history. I'm like, um... And I still don't, I mean, I I understand why America chose sides, but why America continues to, cho- to choose sides is weird to me. Like, mm-hmm. these people are killing each other. Yeah, I've, I've never understood um, the Israeli-Palestine conflict. Um, and I don't know if it's because it's so complicated and, it's easier to see things in black and white, good guys, bad guys kind of thing. And there's really such a mishmash of gray in the whole thing. And the amount of studying and understanding you have to do going back millennia 
it, it's just really hard to wrap your head around um, the whole, the background of it. But um, I do think that what's going on is um, this new conflict is kind of getting the discussion going about the oppressor and the oppressed. And that's something that we have been talking about more in mainstream discourse over the last few years. So, um, you know, even if we don't understand everything, we can kind of understand a government oppressing its own people, its own citizens. We see that every day. We've talked about it on here, about government or government representatives, um, you know, trying to keep down the citizenry. Or, you know, we can look back at, you know, like South Africa and apartheid. That was a little clearer to understand. There were oppressors in government, and there were the oppressed. So I think we can kind of come into at least learning more about the, this new conflict, or not new conflict, the new iteration of this old conflict, from a perspective like that. And maybe um, if mainstream media did a better job of covering it and putting it in our faces every night, maybe we could get where everyone is coming from. And that's what we need. We need more of an understanding. We need sensible solutions because, I mean, watching, you know, folks, kids, both Palestinian and Israeli suffering, it's it's heartbreaking. And mm -hmm. I always found it odd that you know, the, the Republicans are so staunchly pro-Israel when there's a mm -hmm. whole other side of people suffering. And they, you know, they care more about the land in Israel than, you know, care about, as I mentioned yesterday, about the land they completely swiped from Native Americans when they got here. They said, that, you know, they, they obscure that part of the history where marginalized people, be it Native Americans, be it the enslaved, have been oppressed and they like to gloss over that and I I'm hoping that there is some sort of detente eventually mm -hmm. but when we come back from break we're going to you know kind of switch it up and discuss the birthdays of an icon and random guy you are listening to <laughs> a flat Tuesday podcast on the FPC Radio Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast on FPC Red Network. Terrence Biggs, Stephanie Lenz. Today is Stevie Wonder's birthday. Mm -hmm. 
Stevie Wonder, now, for me, as a kid, growing up in a house, you know, my mom and dad were both fans of Motown. So you had you had the radio on all the time. I, I literally thought I was like the sixth temptation, you know. <laughs> and I sit there and, like, hit the move and just, you know, do a little spin and do a clap. And just, it was, and Stevie Wonder was a part of it where guy who's been blind the majority of his life has given so much to everything and still to this day that you know Stevie is an activist mm-hmm. Stevie also has nine kids so apparently only his eyes are the only thing that doesn't work <laughs> maybe Stevie uses like sonar or like radar or some shit but <laughs> what is your favorite Stevie Wonder song Superstition yes Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, out of the gate. Yes. Um, can't I, mean, help I could probably pick it. five more, but yeah. Because it just it's happy and it's mm-hmm. and, and funky. Like, even even signed, sealed, delivered. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many weddings I went to where that was like one of the songs played because even like the most rigid of Karen and Chad were trying to move their feet, or at least pick them up off the ground. Because you know whenever you go to a wedding, right, there's that, there's that dance floor, there's that row of, of ladies' shoes. Mm-hmm. And there's that row of ladies' shoes, and there's people just killing it on the dance floor. I, Stevie Wonder, like, he has stayed relevant for, like, decades. Yeah, even Someone my who, to Stevie Wonder. Exactly. Know. Even Fine Happy one. Birthday is, a, like, his rendition of Happy oh, Birthday. Yeah. Yep. It's just one of those things, like, I mean. Now, when my kids were born, mm-hmm. I, I kind of sang to myself, isn't she lovely? Yes. Yes. It yeah. is it's the ultimate little baby song. I even titled a photo of my son when he was, like, like his first picture, where they, you know, they brought him up to see me, and I titled it, you know, isn't he lovely? Mm-hmm. It, it just, <laughs> you it's know? a perfect baby song. Like It is. It's pure love. It is. It's it's so parental, and it's just it's it's a good thing for Steve. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody who's not an icon, but who apparently is thirty five years old today. I know. <laughs> is your least favorite Batman, Robert Pattinson? <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. I haven't seen him as the Batman yet, but he's he's got some pretty big uh, nipply bat suits to fill if he wants to be the worst. <laughs> <sighs> I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, it's true. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not anti Val Kilmer, but I ain't pro Val Kilmer after his Batman. So, Brock, yeah. Val Kilmer chewed his words like he has like his like his like prodigious mouth. It's like mm-hmm. looking at a like a large mouth bass. Yep. You're just gonna eat if the screen, huh? Some fun. You not only could watch his Batman, but um, the um, Island of Dr. Moreau that they did with him and David Thewlis and Marlon Brando was Dr. Moreau. It is craptacular. It is. It, I mean, but Pattinson, you know, like, yeah, were you a, a Twilight fan? No. It, it was just no, wreck. I hated those books. No. And the movies were worse. Like, mm-hmm. I just couldn't with him and Kristen Stewart and 
Taylor Lautner, who was supposed to be like the next big out, the next breakthrough star. Yeah. Now appearing at your local macaroni and grill doing stand up, probably, but. <laughs> Pattinson and just. And what's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, what's funny is Kristen Stewart is actually a good actor, and she was great on Saturday Night Live. So you know that she can do comedy and she's good with that kind of thing. And then it turns out that Robert Pattinson is actually a good actor. Mm-hmm. So it's the films. It's not the people, but it, it may be Taylor Lautner. <clears throat> I'll go down to my local Fuddruckers and ask him. See, now Pattinson is really thirty, like thirty-five years old. 35. I just five, and I'm looking at his filmography. Mm-hmm. He was in Harry Potter, so I, I, I can't yeah. fight that. And he had a bunch of, like I said, Twilight trash. Mm-hmm. Um. I saw him in the movie Damsel. Ugh. That was trash. Yeah. The Lost City of Z, also trash. Mm. Maps of the Stars, complete ass. But it's... I hope that he is the Batman in for a few movies. I'm tired of the interchangeable Bruce Wayne's. Yeah. I mean, shit, at 46, I can sit there and step into a hobble knee Bruce Wayne, you know, with a deeper accent and dad bod, mm-hmm. but no. Yep. It's... Um, go ahead. Did you see The Lighthouse? No, was that good? I'll say that the, this is how I think of it. It was a really good movie that I don't think I need to watch again, but it was well worth a couple hours, and it might change um, an opinion about uh, about uh, Robert Pattinson. He's really fantastic in it, and it's just him and Willem Dafoe, and that's it. And it, it was amazing. But I'm like, uh, I don't need to watch that again. No. <laughs> and speaking of things that we don't need to watch or probably possibly pay attention to, Tesla, Elon Musk, and Bitcoin. Now, Mr. Musk, right from the Saturday Night Live uh, appearance, and we need to get this out of the way, as a parent of children on a spectrum and being on a spectrum himself, for him to sit there and compl- to tout himself as the first person with Asperger's to host Saturday Night Live when you had Dan Aykroyd right the fuck there, mm-hmm. it seemed as though using the spectrum as a clout point, dude is a billionaire. Why is he this? I think it's an excuse. He didn't uh, cop to having autism. He coped to having Asperger's. Right. And there's a white supremacist factor now linked to that diagnosis. You know, Asperger um, has some kind of ties to Nazism. I'm not quite sure what it is, but it was a, a eugenics kind of deal, that whole um, thing. So that's why Asperger's is no longer used as a diagnosis and everything falls under an autism umbrella. So it's possible that if he was diagnosed... Um, before early 2013 that his actual diagnosis is Asperger's. But a lot of people who got that diagnosis um, now just consider themselves autistic and not an Aspie or as having Asperger's. So for him to have chosen that term may have been signaling or maybe saying something, or it might have just been, well, that's my diagnosis. So that's something to keep in mind when we're going to talk about Elon Musk um, saying that he has Asperger's on Saturday Night Live. 
you know, um, and some people in the Asperger or the autism community are saying about how he might now try to use it to fall back on, like, oh, well, I didn't mean it when I said whatever embarrassing thing. It's part of my autism. But, um, you know, this this whole Bitcoin thing, dude went and sold all his Bitcoin and then said he's not accepting Bitcoin anymore and tanked the market out. He did. He tanked and he tried to tank the yeah. market. and uh, After being on Saturday Night Live to bring the price up and talk about it. He tanked it because he's a douchebag. And then he tanked it. Because him and guys like Joe Rogan like to sit there and, you know, yeah. like embrace their own smug. It's it's white dudes at work, and for me, it is problematic. Just he's he's just been problematic because one, no one's gonna pay all this money for your shitty car. Second, yeah. <laughs> it's the affect of random chat thinking that he's gonna aspire to Elon Musk type of wealth. Mm-hmm. And to I see it in this town. I see people around here, you know, like touting his virgin. Like, dude, that's Elon Musk in California. You are Chad, who probably won't even get a handy in Sheboygan. <laughs> and it's <laughs> okay. That one made me laugh. Yeah. But it's the the bravado. It's the weirdness of the moment, and it's I just can't with him now. We need to talk about Ron DeSantis and Again? actually more more the gas shortages ending. You see, we saw people filling Tupperware baskets, mm-hmm. plastic bags, which the science tells you that the gas would degrade the the plastic bag. Mm-hmm. And these are the same people who hoard gas, but should be hoarding some soap. It's <laughs> true. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It is like people hoard. Like, I'm hoping that since the pipeline has reopened, that there, there's there's, there's going to be a stop to this. Why are Americans so quick to start hoarding shit that they're not going to use? I wish somebody would start hoarding some books. That you know what? As a book hoarder, I am right there with you. <laughs> uh, and and then the books, you know, if you don't like them, they can double as toilet paper if you forgot to hoard the toilet paper. Yeah, you know, I could. I understood the toilet paper. Because, you know, alternatives, you know, not that much. But it's a product that doesn't expire. Gasoline expires. And there are people filling, like, drum buckets in the backs of, of pickup trucks full of gasoline. It's like, you're not going to use them. And how are you going to get that gasoline into your vehicle or your lawnmower or whatever it is? I just – and I was reading about how – fuel is delivered to Florida, except for like the really extreme north of the state, and I mean not like Jacksonville, but like Tallahassee, Panama City, a little more inland than that, they're supplied by the Colonial Pipeline. But the rest of Florida wasn't even affected by this, by the pipeline shutdown. It was simply panic buying, and Ron DeSantis caters to this idiocy. He, he you know, to, to make a pun, he fuels this. And he he's all down for it. We're going to act like idiots? Great. Let's go act like idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Ron DeSantis. bags get me. The, exactly. Like, giant, like, great value garbage bags. I'm like, mm-hmm. they degrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They degrade faster than Ron McDaniel's integrity. I'm astounded by the stupid, this, this stupid nature of Americans. Like we're American, but goddamn, we have some stupid ass. 
fellow citizens. Mm -hmm. But on a happy or better note, the Ohio Lottery, um, they're doing, I would say, good things. Explain your take on the Ohio lottery and how the state is actually, Mike DeWine is actually not fucking up. Okay. Um, Mike DeWine was on CBS this morning on the 13th. Um, and I got to hear Gail King ask him all about this. So what he decided to do is um, they're going to have, they're going to use their COVID funds, and that's the shady part of this. But um, they're going to use the, the COVID funds that went to the state of Ohio, put them all in a big pool, and then have like a lottery drawing uh, for, out of registered voters. So if you're not registered to vote, you can go register to vote. And if they draw your name and you're vaccinated, at least one dose of vaccine, then you will get a million bucks. So what it's doing is it's driving up voter registration, which is good, and it's driving up um, vaccine rates, which is also good. But the questionable thing is the money is coming from COVID relief. So it's sitting there in a pool not doing anything instead of, say, helping food banks or, um, you know, whatever the, the things were that, that other states did with their COVID relief money. But there are worse things he could be doing with the COVID relief money. So it's an interesting experiment. I'm going to be um, ready to, to find out how this goes. And if they draw, it's going to be fun. It's going to happen every Wednesday for five weeks. There's going to be five winners of a million dollars each, so long as they're registered. Well, they have to be registered voters to have their names drawn, as long as they're vaccinated. And if you are um, under 18, I don't know how they're going to get these names because you can't register to vote. You, know, you can if you're 17 if there's no election, but still. Um, they want to do a scholarship program for um, people who get vaccinated who are between 12 and 18. So what that's going to be is uh, if they draw your name in that, you get basically a full ride to a state school in Ohio, which is a really good deal. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that should also be available to people 18 and over. Like if you're 25 and, you know, you're working a blue-collar job and you would have liked to go to college, why can't you also be in the lottery for getting a full-ride scholarship to school? But, um, you know, you can do that with a million dollars, you know, if you want to. So I guess that's, that's the thinking. But it's an interesting program. Um, it's just a little iffy about, you know, well, why did they? Why is the COVID money sitting there, and why haven't they been doing more with it? Or, you know, that's where the criticism of it is coming from. Um, and if anybody's interested in looking up the interview, they do ask him about. Uh, he's a Republican governor, which is a little surprising too. And they ask him about um, what his opinion is about what's happening with the Republican Party and Liz Cheney getting the ouster. And do you think it's the party of Trump? And he just kind of plays party line on that. So. Mm hmm. And in a way, he set his state up to potentially vote Democratic because when you, mm -hmm. you know, with the voter registration, turns out you're probably going to register a lot more Democrats. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a fascinating experiment. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Speaking of fascinating experiments, look at the segue and transition. Like you've been doing this for a cool. while now. <laughs> One of us endeavored to sample an entire 
bottle can of mango Pepsi. The other one of us has a shaped head. You can figure that out. <laughs> Steph, what are your reviews on mango Pepsi? Okay. Um, our, I've said this before. You know, our big chain grocery store in western Pennsylvania is Giant Eagle. And big it's bird. pronounced Giant Eagle. And so uh, Giant Eagle had a thing. They did a display of mango Pepsi. I love mango. I love Pepsi. And the cans were 50 cents a piece. But if you had your Giant Eagle card, you got a 50 cent rebate. So it was a free can of Pepsi. I'm like, all right, I won't turn down free. So I got it. I took it home, and I poured it over ice, took a little photo of it, like, I'm all about to do this. And um, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever had. Um, like, if you are still recovering from trying Crystal Pepsi in the mid-'90s, mm-hmm. it's okay to try the mango Pepsi. What it tasted like to me was um, the canned fruit cocktail peaches. Oh. It was very syrupy. And very peachy. It didn't taste mango-y to me. But it's not the worst thing I ever had. And if you wanted to use it like in a mixed drink or something, it could be pretty interesting for summer. So if you like fruit and you like really sweet, you might like the mango Pepsi. But if you're on the fence, you might not like it. So that's my review of mango Pepsi. I do like um, they have like cherry and vanilla and cherry vanilla. Those are all good. They have an orange Coke that I actually quite love. Oh. Yeah. The orange oh. Coke is more mild than a regular Coke to me. So if I want uh, some caffeine and I don't want a lot of kind of the spiky flavor of Coke, I'll get that. And it's it's mellow and smooth to me. I enjoy it. I was always a fan of the vanilla Coke and the vanilla mm-hmm. Pepsi. It just it, it just It sits right. But now, what is the worst? Since you said it's not the worst thing you had, what is the worst soda you had? Oh, the worst flavor of soda. There's um, there's a tasting thing at Epcot at Disney World um, where you can taste varieties of Coke from around the world. Um, like there's you know like a, the weird flavor or weird to American flavor of like a Coke from Israel or a Coke from South Korea. Like what's their most popular flavor? Some of those are really vile, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. Um, Crystal Pepsi was bad. Mm-hmm. That might be one of the worst. I've ever had. Um, that's one where I actually couldn't even bring myself to finish it. I dumped it down the sink. And my dad had bought uh, like a 12-pack of cans. And he was, and he says to me, well, what are we going to do with all this Pepsi? I'm like, you can dump it down the toilet. I don't want it. You should have gotten a can or a bottle or a two-liter and tried it. But it was like, no, that was on sale. It's like, well, it, it can be on sale. So he actually choked down the rest of that Pepsi. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's that, terrible. That's a brave man right there. I mean... Mhm. There are a cheap man is what that is. <laughs> There's a a beverage let it go to waste. up in Maine. Um, it's called Moxie. It's kind I've of heard a, of that. Isn't any good? No. Imagine root beer that okay. had a happy life, met somebody, settled down. Then decided to be, you know, become angry and bitter, and just become like to get the Kate Gosselin haircut. That is Moxie. It is the aftertaste. Literally, is so bitter. I thought that Cornell West made it. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this, um, you go ahead. 
it's similar to root beer as far as some of the notes that it hits, but then you have mm-hmm. that the aftertaste just it doesn't sneak up on you. It just it just runs up on you like it's Jason from Friday the Thirteenth. It's on your ass like back pockets. It runs up on you like Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a. Have you ever heard of the Game Grumps? These two guys that play video games and make commentaries and stuff. Yes. Okay. My kids and I, we we love Game Grumps, and they have a thing called the 10-Minute Power Hour where they do something kind of fun and unusual for 10 minutes. Like they might make a paint-by-numbers painting, or they might, um, like, play, um, like, rock and talk and robots or something. They did one where they did soda pong, and they had, like, a dozen different flavors of unusual sodas from around the world. And one of the ones they had was that Moxie Elixir. And neither one of them liked it. Like, what they did is they did Pong, and wherever the ball landed, that was the soda you had to try. And so the one guy was really good at the Pong, and so the, the other guy had to keep tasting all these flavors. There was um, cucumber and birch beer and Pennsylvania punch or Delaware punch, one of those. Um, there was a pepper beer, like a, you know, it's still soda, but it's called pepper beer, um, stuff like that. And that, that Moxie, I remember they both hated that. I mean, it is uh, soda is one of those things that you gotta be. It has to hit just right. Like you can't be too, too. I don't know, like too odd with it. And I think that a lot of people. It, it's funny when I think of hard salsa. It's like alcoholic soda, and it's just you know like white claws. And what people here are fanatical about white claws. Like they're selling them during our softball games. I'm like. This is what life is like. Softball, have a beer or have a beer at home, but nope, we're out here drinking watermelon white claws on second base. <laughs> have you ever tried Iron Brew from Scotland? No, it's not good either. We went uh, when we visited um, friends of my husband's who were Scottish. Um, we stayed at their home, and they poured this drink into a coffee cup so you couldn't see it. And they said, "Okay, taste this. It's soda." And tell us what you think it tastes like. And I, I just didn't like the flavor, and I couldn't place it. But the reason they put it in a cup is because it's bright orange. And they didn't want you to think, oh, it tastes like orange, because if you have the visual, then you'll think that. And I just remember it wasn't good. And I've tried it a couple times since, and I haven't liked it. But it's called Iron Brew because it actually has iron in it, and that's why it's orange. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So now, and I don't know if you have an iron brew with your haggis or if you just have whiskey with your haggis. It's traditional. Oh, but I God. think it, you can go either way. Yeah, and you <laughs> can get iron brew in the, usually you can find it in like the international section of your local grocery store. They'll have a couple bottles on the bottom. It's worth you trying should, if you're if you're adventurous. You should have nothing with your haggis. You shouldn't have haggis. <laughs> See, that's where you're wrong. See, listen, but no, it's... <laughs> How do I explain it? Like, there are things that we've all have tried, for, you know, to, you know, because of a friend or we had an interest in somebody, like, food-wise. Like, I will give you a short, quick yarn. So there's 16-year-old me in high school, and there's this girl um, from us. She was an Australian exchange student. Ended up moving here, like, full-time. Anyway, like, she, and the accent, but she was like a, how to explain it? Like, just her accent, and she was cool. Her name was Heidi, and 
we had the same ceramics class. Now, I suck at ceramics. I was sitting there making, like, mugs and ashtrays and, like, vases and shit. And Heidi's over there, like, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore from Ghost, like, cart, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, can I help you? And I'm like, <laughs> and so we started talking. So I asked her out, and we started dating, and she's like, I see her at lunch one day. So I'm sitting next to her. She pulls out this lunch bag, and there's a sandwich. I'm like, oh, what's that? She's like, oh, you got to try. She like, she's like, oh, I brought you some. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where this is going. She's like, what is this called? I'm like, what is it called? She's like, oh, it's Vegemite. <laughs> yep. And? and I'm like, oh, God, it was the worst. It, ah, oh, like, just think about it. It gives me a sense of memory of just sh- just shuddering and just. So I'm eating the sandwich and saying to myself, you know what? I'm 16 years old. She's 16 years old. I kind of want to, yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? I have to take, I have to, I have to finish this whole thing and smile afterward. Because it is the only way, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm chewing it. I'm two bites in. I'm like, oh, God, this is the worst. So I'm like, you know what? Just close your eyes. I closed my eyes and ate the rest of it. She said, what do you think? I'm like, it was kind of good. Lying my ass off. I once bought Vegemite, and I didn't have the cojones to go through with it. And it ended up expiring in my closet. So I remember seeing a friend as I went in the hall afterward, because I pretty much tried to eat, like, a pound and a half of gum and drink all the water. Friend walks up. Was it worth it? I'm like, let me, I'll let you know in a few weeks. Yes, it was worth it, but... It, the same, oh God, it was just, for, was it like fermented yeast or some shit? It's, I don't know what it is. I don't even know what it's supposed to taste like. It's supposed to taste like vegetables, meat, yeast. But I honestly don't know. Australians are braver than I in everything. Just the fact that they live where they live puts them above me, I, I tell you. So we're sitting there, like, I think the sandwich, like, her whole, like, view of me changed because then she was like super nice like we went everywhere together like hung out and just like walked to the class mm-hmm. like just I'm like that's all for a sandwich that I would never have eaten if the teenage boy mind is a miraculous thing you will do the dumbest shit if you think <laughs> that there is potential for future happiness mm-hmm. but no the Vegemite is one of the worst just it is it's 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 terrible now I have movie questions for you Okay. I sound in like Chad on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is your favorite movie villain of all time? Oh, gosh. This is one of those where I'll give you an answer, and then five minutes later I'll come up with another one, and then over the course of the day I'll come up with about 20 different ones. Um, Hell 9000 is a really good movie villain. Um, Killmonger is one yes. of my favorite movie villains because he's not wrong. Every time we watch Black Panther, I look at the kids and they look at me and we're like, he's not wrong. And I mean, when you identify with a villain, 
it's like, well, do you go so far as to support his cause? Or maybe if you support his cause, do you support the way that he carries out what he's doing for his cause? Like at the very beginning, when we first meet Killmonger, and he's in the British Museum, and he's saying, yeah, this stuff was all stolen from my people. He's not wrong, (laughs) you know? So then it puts you in a place of, well, am I going to identify with the bad guy? And, you know, is he the bad guy? And stuff like that. And it's the same kind of thing with HAL 9000, which is how I ended up thinking about Killmonger, is HAL 9000 has a specific mission, and he carries out his mission. In doing that mission, he he murders the, the astronauts on the ship in 2001. But are we supposed to identify with the fact that he's just someone following orders? And then, you know, then you go into a bunch of war movies and things like that. Your bad guy or your invisible bad guy or however it might be. So um, if you'd ask me right now, I, I would probably go with Killmonger right now. What do you think? Do you have a favorite? Killmonger is probably one of the most relatable. Um, oh, let me think about that. It's honestly, uh, as weird as it sounds, mm-hmm. Tony Soprano is not a hero. He's, he's not. He's an anti-hero. Yeah. He's an anti-hero. Um, that's one... Uh, Magneto. A Magneto, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm a Magneto girl. If I've got to choose one or the other, I'm I'm Team Magneto. I mean, and not Magneto. just because Michael Fassbender is gorgeous and because Ian McKellen is so talented. It's just, you know, again, he ain't wrong. Um, Commodus and Gladiator is another one that I like because I like Joaquin Phoenix, but. But he is wrong. Yes. Um. Who? Let me. That's a good question. Uh It is so many relatable, like even Loki and Thor. Yeah. Well, Loki is, and I think of Loki like I think of Professor Snape. They're nemesis. They're not necessarily opposed to the hero's goals, but they're going to stand in his way. But, um, like, I think the Chitauri are supposed to be our bad guys in Avengers. Yes. But they wouldn't be able to do what they did without Loki getting in everybody's way and being the fly in the ointment. So. Believe it or not, uh, Draco Malfoy, he... Oh, yeah, he's awful. He's awful, but, like, a he was being pressured into like the evil side because it, mm-hmm. it didn't seem like he wanted to be it. No. I don't even think his father was really all that convinced, to be honest. Mm-mm. He kind of w- just went along with it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, I mean, him, you go to even Thomas Barrow and Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Like, just people who are, yes, they are villains. We... We get it. We understand. Um, Hella, Gollum, Hella yeah, and Thor. Yeah. Like she was pretty much groomed to be the executioner. Well, yeah. if you're groomed to sit there and start offing people, that's just going to give you a complex. Yeah, and then you do the thing, and then everybody looks at you like you're the bad guy. And she's like, "But this, I was supposed to do this." And when she breaks that uh, ceiling, um, the mural, 
She's like, no, this is what they're covering up. It goes kind of back to that Killmonger thing about someone is covering something up. I'm bring, I'm shining the light on it, and I'm the bad guy. Yeah, I, I love complicated villains like that. I mean, it's I like it. It's the the difference of hell. Even if we go like abstract, mm-hmm. we think of villainous or in, Squidward tentacles. Yeah, he he is just he's villainous because he's upset that his life sucks. So he has a coworker who's a complete just fuck up, mm-hmm. but the fuck up just lives his life of just fun. While this dude is like kind of sad about the fact yeah. that he missed out on his dreams. Yeah, there's another show that is the Squidward show, where it's this guy who's just trying to get through life, but he has this annoying coworker that acts like a child who never gets anything done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <You know>? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's one of those things. Now, speaking of all things cinema, what are your movie picks of the week? Oh, gosh. I didn't uh, think about these. Let me think. Um, well, like I said, I watched Goodfellas over the weekend. That was good. Yes. Uh, speaking of bad guys, you want, you want a, uh, a distinctive bad guy. Um, Jaws. The shark in Jaws is your bad guy. And we don't even see him until the third act. And he is just a killing machine. There is, you're not asked to identify with the villain. You're not asked to, to <laughs> understand his cause. <laughs> it's just, he will eat you. He's hungry and he's here for you. Yes. So if you, if you want to watch a movie that's really... I'm, I'm not a big Steven Spielberg fan, to be honest. But some of my favorite movies are also his movies, like Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like that. Jaws is a really good movie. It's fun. Um, that's one with a bad guy. And, um, let's think. Well, we we mentioned uh, Batman. There's always uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. That's um, Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies of all time. So uh, let's let's go with some villains. Let's go with um, Dark Knight. Uh, I think that might be on HBO Max. I'm not sure. And uh, Jaws which I'm pretty sure is... I know that's on Amazon Prime because I bought it. <laughs> so, um, Jaws and... and, uh, and um, Dark Knight, and maybe we'll throw in Silence of the Lambs for good measure because there's two bad guys. Yes. Uh, pretty stellar. Now, what would... Let me ask you this. I have a, a music story, a quick one. Okay. So, in Wisconsin, they have... Brat Days, the local Bratwurst, Bratwurst Festival. They canceled last year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So they're back this year. So th- what they would do is they have, it, it used to be a full week, but I, I think it's going to be two nights now. And it's they have a brat eating contest where somebody won by eating 60 brats in like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, it's Wisconsin. Shit, shit gets wild here. Um, but So they have headline acts. Now, when I first moved here, it was 2004, so this was about a decade past their prime, but they had the gin blossoms. Mm-hmm. And you haven't seen so many drunk Wisconsinites sing the chorus to Hey Jealousy, like loud yep. and off-key. But it was fun. Then they had a post-Motley crew before they got back together again, Vince Neal. This was the oh Vince, I'm going to lean on a chair, kind of like a little bloated and kind of get through, like, the whole Motley Crue catalog, where he was, like, huffing and puffing through girls, girls, girls. Uh, Vince, I'm Um, here for the free broadworth meal. 
Pretty much. And I'm sitting there, and there's a lady a couple of rows back. She, like, takes off her bra off and flings it over my head. I get caught by, like, I guess it would be the equivalent of a cup. Like, like grill at the top of my head. And I don't explain this uh, tactfully. I don't know if it was the cup size, but the wind carried that. Like, it, I mean, it became like a parachute. And it just kind of, like, sailed onto the stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like yeah. we're in Sheboygan, Wisconsin at Kiwanis Park. And there's, like, for Vince Neal, this is post, this isn't the 1986 to 1990 Vince Neal. No, this is, like, the 2005, like, whoo, life has been rough, Vince Neal. Um, so this year, they have, uh, I'm saying this, Slaughter. Okay. The band Slaughter. The, uh, up all night, sleep all day, like glam metal, just glam rock, just, mm-hmm. and I'm saying to myself, I, they have like three songs, like, how are, how are they going to play an hour? Because they better start with up all night, they better play up all night three times in the middle, they better finish with an encore of up all night. It's the Blues Brothers when the only song they know is Rawhide. Yes. And <laughs> Play Rawhide all night. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> and people are asking me if I'm going to go. I'm like, uh, if there was a <laughs> pandemic, I kind of would go. But I'm not really sitting there trying. Like, I'm fully vaccinated now. and But I'm not really sitting there trying to surf through, like, drunk Sheboyganites. Because what happens is the beer keeps flowing. It's warm. Folks get a little testy. I'm really not trying to see a fight at a 80s rock band concert. And I'm like, and I just, it's it's hilarious. You see people that really still rock the 80s hair in modern mm-hmm. times. The mullet is back. Um, mm-hmm. Like the high hair and the blue eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. I uh, got my hair done this week. Uh, and I asked um, my stylist if people were keeping their long hair from COVID, especially men. And she said, not really. They're kind of mixing it up. And I said, well, are people getting it all chopped off? And she's like, no, it's basically like people doing their usual. But she said, one thing that's happening is men are getting perms. And I was like, like what kind of perms? Like, like kinky perms or like just to kind of put some wave in there? And she goes, no, like they get the sides of their heads shaved keep the the center like down to like where a part would be and they're getting that all tight permed i'm like oh dear god oh god it's only a matter of time until they start growing it out in the back as well and we're going to have a new mullet oh god that's awful like that is awful i mean you have oh no i mean for me i i've shaved my head for the longest time because in my mind if i shave my head there's no gray Mm-hmm. I am delusional as fuck. So, because <laughs> I have a I have a four year old who will point it out. Hey, hey, you shave your head, I can still see gray. You're out of the will, son. <laughs> I will cut you off faster than than an anxious vasectomy. I am done with you. But so what I've been thinking is like when all's over, and I, I, I actually found a couple of barbers in Sheboygan that actually cut black people's hair because in Sheboygan I'm not going to cost cutters. Like, no. To hell with all that. When you sit there you see like vacant barber like, I don't know what to do with his hair. 
I'm not from outer space. It's just different texture of hair. Yeah. And I found black barbers in Sheboygan, so I'm going to actually, like, endeavor to actually keep a regular haircut, like a short haircut, like a fade, but I'm going to keep a haircut. And I'm like, mm-hmm. because, yeah, I'm shaving it, but I'm like, I'm not going to let it grow out because, like I've, I mentioned, I look like a cross between Frederick Douglass, Morgan Freeman, and un- un- Uncle Ben, so I don't have facial hair. Like I, like I'm not gonna sit there and like sing a spiritual when I'm trying to walk by somebody. I'm not gonna sing uh, "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot" and shit. Old Man River. <laughs> Seriously, like gray, gray hair sneaks. Well, you will find out one day. Gray hair sneaks up on you. Mhm. Like it I found a couple you. eyebrow hairs. Oh my god, my. Seriously, my my eyebrows look like I've I've been doing coke for the longest time. They're, they're like white. I'm like, really? Like, can we like tighten that shit? I don't want to sit there and pluck <laughs> because. Like huh? I was it looks like Don Jr.'s mustache. Yes, like residue, like residue. And I don't want to sit there with like tweezers and pluck. But damn it, I am mm-hmm. about a bad afternoon for sitting there in front of one of those really close mirrors and plucking the hell out of these because I'm like, oh my god, my eyebrows are white. Like I am 46, not 96. Whose grandfather is this in this picture? What the fuck? But I'm just thinking of Sam Jackson's character in Django Unchained. Pretty <laughs> much. eyebrows. Yeah, like, no, no, like, and that's one thing that men need to understand, like, because we used to get so much grief from manscaping, mm-hmm. like, facial hair. Fellas, like, we don't really need hair on the knuckles. I mean, <laughs> that's not really where it's at. And and I don't like not being an overly hairy person myself. I don't have to worry about chest hair. But when I'm at softball practice, one of my teammates is wearing a tank top to practice. It literally looks like he has Epstein from Welcome Back, Cotter, and like uh, a bear hug. <laughs> like uh, my like husband's a, a yeah. My husband's a hairy chest and back guy, and when his body hair started to get gray and then white, um, he said one of the advantages is he didn't feel he had to wear a shirt with swim trunks anymore because the hair doesn't show and nobody looks at his back anymore. <laughs> Smart. So there's an upside. See, that's an upside. With, no, like, I'm not really a – but I'll sit there and, like, I'm like, dude, do you not feel that, like, hair, like, like falling out of yeah. the top of that tank top? Like a Brillo pad. His girlfriend walks up. She puts her hand in it. Like, you don't see her fingers. Oh, good Lord. I'm like, oh, man, like, y'all about to go home and have some her suit loving, and I just, I can't. <laughs> I mean, you might want to, you know, take an extra, you know, pass up under some soap and water. But if anyone they wants to. take, like, a really heavily um, soiled pan that they need to use the Brillo pad on and put it in between them? For real. Like you can scour pans and, you know, get that quality time in with the missus. I mean, it is... Exactly. Oh. Like, just... <laughs> it is just... I'm astounded. And... We, how do I explain this? We all have, like, softball shirts that our sponsor gave us each year. And one year we had, like, the the... Shirts made of the dry fit material, right? Uh huh. It literally sounded like somebody opening a trash bag when they 
took off the shirt and they were hairy. I'm like, oh god. It was that re- resonating the that like I'm like, oh god, it's just it, it sounded like somebody stirring mac and cheese. See, I have a completely different connotation for that, but... Me too. I'll allow it. <laughs> Me too. Thanks, Cardi B. And Lamar. That's what it sounds like. That's why, I, I mean, when I look at mac and cheese on TV, I'm like, don't... I, I hope when people stir it, it's stirred with the, the sound down because it, it brings up a notion. But how can people interact with you on social media? <laughs> After this, they might not want to. Um but they can. Um, it's uh, the best way to get me is on Twitter at Edenza E D E N Z A. You can find us Stitcher everywhere. Apple Podcasts. This has been an episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other.